And welcome back to Clarity in Conversations episode 13, which is the last episode of this season. That is so well said. You are absolutely correct. You nailed it, Frank. Miscommunication in offices around the world leads to delayed projects, frustrated colleagues, and missed sales. This can be avoided. There's fascinating research that gives insight into how to have creative dialogues and clear conversations in the office and at home. Full of practical tips, insightful research, and inspiring guests. This is Clarity in Conversations, a podcast by Frank Garten. Last week you listened to the interview with co-host Els de Meyer. Um, but people come together because they think, you know what, uh, we could be complementary. I have something that you don't have and you have something that I don't have and together we can make something work and we can achieve a better result. Yeah, that was Els de Meyer, and this week the roles are reversed. But before we go there, as said, this is the last episode of uh, season one of this podcast and whether there will be a season two is unknown at the moment. Um, on it was great fun, really, making this podcast. I've really enjoyed preparing all the interviews, speaking all, to all these wonderful guests, and then also learning myself to do the editing and the final mixing of the podcast. But on the other hand, it's been very time-consuming and therefore an activity that I will not continue, at least in the current form. Whether there will be a season two of Clarity in Conversations will be determined over the next couple of months. So I'm going to take a break after season one and think about the, the form in which we will continue after the summer holiday. And that may include a different crew of people contributing to the podcast. That may include um, a, a more professionally produced show with, with sponsors, etc. So any ideas, really, any ideas that, that you have for the continuation of Clarity and Conversation Season 2, reach out. Um, be sure to find me at info at frankgarten.nl and I'll be happy to get in discussion and see how your ideas can uh, can be taken on board. So info at frankgarten.nl. But as said, for this week, the roles are reversed this time. I'm normally in the role of hosting this podcast. This time it was me being interviewed by Els de Meyer. So you're going to listen to the interview and I'll be back after. So Frank... Role reversal. Now it's me. Yes, yes. Gosh. So you have been interviewing. Um, I don't know how many, how many interviews did you have in the meantime? I think ten. Ten. ten yeah, ten podcasts. This yeah. is twelve. So, so yeah. we had one special episode on change. So that that's about ten. Right. And now it's your turn. You've been always the interviewer and the one asking the questions. And now I can ask you some questions. So I'm excited about it because um, I think you've been very modest in your podcast and, and you know, you've, you've shown that you are very good at asking questions, but now I want to hear about you. Mm. So um, this podcast, your background is completely somewhere else. Yeah. Elaborate on yeah, that. I'm so curious, I mean, yeah. and I'm sure the listeners are very curious in the meantime. As it's well. what I say at a lot of trainings when I introduce myself. It, it's it's very weird to have somebody with a PhD in physics now yeah. teaching you about communication and influencing, and and um, uh, yeah. usually joke that something along the way something must have gone wrong, <laughs> terribly wrong. And 
Um, yeah, so so yeah, no, they are two different subjects, absolutely. Mm. But it, it, it's a later fascination, certainly. And yeah, that's how my, did you get into that? Yeah, that's something I, I think that colors me a bit. I'm, I'm the person who can really stick with an interest, uh, but then flip completely to another interest okay. a, a little bit later and, and dive deep into it. But I'm certainly not somebody who would for all my life stay in one topic. And, okay. and, and that definitely happened with going from a PhD in physics to an engineering job, to a marketing mm. job, to a commercial job, to a leadership. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because so you said, you know, so you had your PhD in physics and then what happened then? You went to I, work? I, yeah, I started working for Philips in a mm -hmm. technical role. Mm -hmm. uh, I started um, Quite early onwards, in, in Philips, I was working in a very small factory in Stadskanaal in the northern okay. part of the Netherlands. Right. And in such a small place, um, you can't stick with your subject only. You, you need to no. interact with other departments, etc. And I remember we were working on an, on an engineering project and I didn't see it going anywhere. So at some point I decided to walk into marketing and say, hey, what's this? I mean, your, your requirements change every week. What are right. you doing? Okay. And I figured out in that talk, which lasted only 10 minutes, mm -hmm. I think, that they didn't know also. Okay. And I started to get so puzzled. So that triggered you? Yeah, I, th I thought we were working on something important and now discovering that the ones who worked with the clients didn't know. Mm. Um, apparently, they liked my questions. Um, okay. And within two months, I was working in marketing rather oh. than, than engineering. Yeah. Um, and that, that probably is the start of, of all that work of that I do now. broadening your horizon, Absolutely. actually. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then you, you did uh, quite a lot of traveling you did then. Yeah, exactly. I worked with, with clients all over the world. Mm -hmm. um, uh, all our clients were, well, in every country except mm. for the Netherlands. Um, okay. And, and so that was a fantastic job, you know, when you're under 30, uh, still single, um, and you can travel the world. All the freedom. For <laughs> on the cost of the company. Yeah, it was great. Um, yeah. I negotiated with clients. And I think there I found out that there's much more than content only. Um, yeah. Negotiations with Korean customers. You don't win when you have all your arguments right. There's yeah. so much more involved. Like reading them, like building up a relationship. Like mm. so And is that something that, um, that you had to learn the hard way? Yeah by making mistakes yeah. or is it something that you were kind of you rolled into is there things that you can pinpoint gone right okay this was the moment where i realized that i had to be more aware of the differences in or differences in communication or intercultural differences yeah it's, it's funny I, I i didn't know a lot about it mm. and i think even after i did the negotiations at that time or if you would have, mm. have asked me then I wouldn't be able to answer the question. It's only reflecting later on, and really years later, really? that I started to understand a lot of that, yeah. So I think I did well um, in negotiations with, let's take the Koreans, um, all went well. I mean, okay. some were more difficult, some were less difficult. I think only later on, when learning about culture, I started to realize this is what happened. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that Looking was back at your own interaction, indeed. Uh, yeah. You exactly. That. Yeah. And then, so you use that experience to also write two books, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit how you count it. There's three books now, but one right. is in Dutch and two are in English. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. three books. Tell tell us more about those books. Um, they're all about culture. Mm -hmm. um, that that's how it started out. So so the the build up of the three books in, in fact is the same. Mm. Um, they start with an an 
explanation about different models of communication, mm -hmm. uh, which I think is the basis for, for culture. It's mm -hmm. not so much about the knowledge of mm -hmm. other culture, but how you deal with it. Mm -hmm. So it starts with that. Then, then it starts to elaborate on the cultures, what makes them different, what makes um, the Brazilian culture, which is much more relational, uh, so different from a Russian culture mm -hmm. or from whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and you used, you used theory for that? Yeah, so there, there's there's well-known models mm -hmm. of, of Geert Hofstede, who, yeah. who, uh, who died by now. Yeah, yeah, recently yeah. passed um, away. But yeah. his work is legendary. But but also many people have built on the work of Hofstede. Mm -hmm. And well, quite proudly, I think I've built on it as well. I, c I came in over the years to use my own model. Which well, is you got big endorsements anyway. <laughs> yeah, if you look at true. the cover of your, uh, yeah. your book, yeah. um, 2014, yeah. like the... CEO Phillips and everyone just yeah, uh, endorsed yeah, yeah. you, so that's uh, that's not nothing. No, <laughs> that's that's true. I can be proud of that, and I usually say I stand on the shoulder of giants. You know, mm. I I haven't made this up all myself, no, but uh, but no, I but I've looked into the the materials of Hofstede, of Aaron Meyer, etc., mm -hmm. with the lens of did I see this happening in practice Yourself, in yeah, the years that exactly. I negotiated? Yeah. And I think that's quite powerful. Yeah. Um, and that's something what, what companies who hire me or, or organizations I work with mm -hmm. really value. Um, yeah. I can understand the theory. Uh, PhD is good enough for that. Mm. But, but seeing how it works in real life and how it... Yeah, that, that's, that's my added value. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I suppose that's also where people say they recognize a lot of it because it's it's such a from your own experience you know it's like real life things that happen yeah that exactly make it yeah a bit and yeah uh, some anecdotes in there and everything exactly as well. yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah. but then after um so intercultural communication is and especially was especially your your real um focus there yeah now with this podcast um, you've kind of moved away from the intercultural aspect and you've focused more on communication itself. So I, I was just very curious, how did that happen? So how did you kind of move away from it slightly? And why this, uh, why this podcast actually? Yeah, well, that, that's two questions, in fact, mm, Mo moving is, away yeah. from it. But let me pick up on, on that because I, I think that's the most interesting. It, it's not only in the podcast, it's in my mm -hmm. whole work that I've okay. moved away a bit from it. And on one hand, that feels a bit like, um, you know, leaving a baby behind. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it, it's a topic I really love and mm -hmm. I love to work on. Yet on the other hand, over the years, I've realized that... Um, the expectations in companies where I come or in teams mm -hmm. who work with China and where things are not going well is, please come in, tell us about how the Chinese works, yeah. and then everything will go better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a bit naively though, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's how I describe it now. Of course, I mean, people do that with, with good intentions course, and good yeah, thoughts. Yeah. But it, it's quite often that I realized after giving these trainings mm -hmm. that the problems didn't disappear. I mean, people know now more about the Chinese mm. culture, but that doesn't mean that they do something else. And yeah, that started yeah. to be a bit intriguing for me. It, yeah. it, and certainly in culture, that makes the problem even bigger. Um, if, if I don't work too well with the Chinese, what's the point of me learning how the Chinese are? Um, what I need to do is reach out to them, mm -hmm. not, not put them in a separate box and say, oh, they're Chinese. Let me learn about them. They're so different from me. Right, so you're saying, what I was actually trying to teach more is more of a connection between the people rather than absolutely a, a distant observation. Yeah. That's how it is, and okay, that's you know that's what we have yeah. to take into account. But more the skill of 
connecting to others. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I've, I've seen teams where the cultural differences are huge because mm -hmm. it's not only country, it's, it can be organization cultures who mm -hmm. clash. Mm. But when the communication is good, that's not a problem. They can work, people can work very well with people who are very different from them. The other way around, it also works. I've mm -hmm. seen great teams where people were very knowledgeable about other cultures and still making a total yeah. mess. Yeah. Because the communication wasn't right. Right. And I think the the ability to communicate about difficult things, about problems at work, um, putting them on the table, daring to put them on the table, mm -hmm. li like we discussed in this podcast, you know, having mm -hmm. the courage mm -hmm. to speak up, but then also to listen to somebody who has a totally different view from yourself. Yeah. That that for me is in the end the key of of that intercultural work. Yeah. And and perhaps also that that intercultural work is just another layer of uh, or another aspect of the whole complicated um, who, who was it who said it it was a mess you know it's like this Absolutely. whole mess of communication yeah. where you have cultural or company culture you have intercultural uh, differences you've personal issues personal you have preferences contextual yeah. Uh, yeah. matters which exactly. of course is all the the aforementioned then even still but that it's more complex than just focusing on that one aspect. Exactly, and that, that, right. that's a strong point as well. Yeah. That I made recently in an article for an American magazine mm -hmm. that, that we, we often tend to, to think that when we have a, a, a team consisting of Indian and American people mm -hmm. and, and, and things are going wrong in that team, it must be because they are Indian yeah. and American. Yeah. So we started to do this course about yeah, the yeah, India yeah. culture and the yeah. American culture. But quite it may be completely something else. Exactly. Yeah, quite, exactly. quite often. It's not and it's culture. The, the thing we focus on because it's like, oh, the other and the other sh or the difference between us should be the problem. But of course, it's the most. It's not. Yeah, no. it's the most obvious. No. And, and we don't look past that. Then. It's a bit the easy yeah. way out. Yeah. Let's blame culture. Yeah. Th that's <laughs> yeah, an easy is, one. Yeah. I mean, uh, blaming yeah. it on culture, if yeah. you're Air France and KLM, is quite an easy way out yeah. of saying the French True. and the Dutch True. are so yeah. different yeah. rather than open the, the conversation about it yeah. and say, what makes us so different? Yeah. Let's learn from that. Yeah, exactly. Now, in your podcasts, um, as I said, you went a bit more broader uh, or a bit more broad and you um, you touched upon all different aspects of, of, of communication of so many different people you, yeah. had, you, you interviewed here. Yeah. Um, if you think back about all the episodes, what for you um, stands out. So it's actually two questions I have. First of all, I'd like to know, you know, which was for you a very remarkable interview. Um, and secondly, I'd like to know if you see some kind of thread through the interview, some kind of thing that you say, right, looking back on all the interviews, this is really what is the common aspect. Mm. So let's, let's start yeah. with the first thing. So which one is springs to mind when you think about right that was so remarkable or for me that was mm. an eye-opener for example there's a few of course but that's not a nice answer to give no. i mean that, <laughs> so <laughs> if i have to choose i remember um, uh, one thing that that really came in with me mm. that that really landed was the insight that laura Genesek gave in, right. in one of the talks where she said listening listening is not a skill it's a mindset yeah and that stayed with me that that really made me think and, you came and back I, to that a lot didn't you i, I did the listening. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's a fascinating topic to me and it's 
quite important, but I believe it. Yeah. And why did that? Why why did that really appeal to you? Um, I I think Celeste Hadley said it also in one Mm. of the later episodes that that you can learn to do the things that good listeners do. Mm. You know, you have to nod and you have to show show eye contact and you have to summarize what the other person said, etc. But Celeste said very, very strongly, you know, you can learn all of that. And still not and still listen. be a bad listener. Uh, absolutely. I know. So, so, so it, yeah. w- it works one way. If you have a very good listener, they do all of that. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that if you do all of that, you're a good listener. No. Not at all. No, I, I, I really like, I recognize a lot of the, like we have uh, people who really practice that, you know, we can see that in, in, yeah, in my practice exactly. in education as well. I can see people like really trying their best to, to do all the right things. And yeah, you so, actually so know that it's yeah, forced, you yeah. know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as you say that many people do this and it's forced, yeah, right? If you start summarizing like that, it's yeah. very unnatural. It's weird. Yeah. It's very Absolutely. weird. Yeah, and we yeah. can hear this now. But um, so yeah, that that word be, it became really fascinating mm. for me because I I speak a lot in in trainings also about other cultures about yeah. curiosity. Can you really be curious about yeah. somebody who's different than you? And that's the, the the essence of the different mindset, I think, yeah. that Laura was referring to. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, interesting. What I also noticed is that, and, and you, uh, you actually pointed the attention uh, to that uh, at some point uh, a while ago, um, just after that episode came out, you sent me a text with a print screen of um, the increase in listeners on Spotify, I think it was, or maybe in general it was, on yeah. uh, the podcast, uh, the episode that uh, we recorded with uh, Mika Coupé. Yeah. And uh, if you remember, Mika, uh, um, she talked about uh, the thoughts of Brené Brown a lot, and it was a lot about yeah. vulnerability. Now, that stood out for me um, because of the reactions. There was so many people who replied to that, who yeah, liked it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. You saw an increase in, in listeners, like I said. Have you any idea why that was? I mean, the peak in listeners started from the beginning. That's mm. funny. I mean, I have this graph that shows after every episode yeah. how many people download it. And mm-hmm. it's increasing over time. So, uh, But but yeah, Mika Coupé stood out. That that. After that interview, it spiked up and many yeah. people shared the, the podcast, uh, referred others to it, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also one of my favorite episodes to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, I love doing the, the interview with her and I can't pinpoint why mm. it was such a hit. I think partially it's because it strikes a chord. You know, people mm. recognize the topic, vulnerability. It's something we don't speak a lot about, but everybody recognizes yeah is it something that is um let's say we recorded this three years ago would it have been different you think do you think like the vulnerability aspect is something that is um a popular thought or something that we're more open to currently yeah maybe you we we hear it a lot more certainly Brene brown in Mm -hmm. her ted talks and everything or with her book dare to dare to lead definitely made something happen yeah Mm. and and opened up a conversation about something that we all know and that we all don't feel very comfortable speaking about you know our shames our things that go wrong so yes um, are we moving more into an era where we talk about how we feel so have more of an uh, openness in our communication you know rather than maybe even comparable to how you explained your own evolution like you know first is content 
and then his process. So you were all into physics, into content, and then you kind of moved into the process. And yeah. is it something, of course, it's, it's different because that's your personal kind of road you went on, but is that something that you see happening, you think, in all your years of experience as well, that we have kind of evolved into more talking about the how and the sides and the emotions rather than just the, yeah. the topics? I would say so. There, there, there's definitely more room for it. Mm -hmm. More people recognize that. Um, you know, think about a conflict you have with somebody mm. and you can't resolve the conflict. What we usually do is we explain our argument again. Mm -hmm. yeah, so, so if we can't yeah. solve our conflict, yeah, else yeah. let me explain you again why I'm mad. Yeah, you try to convince me As if that that's going right. to help. Yeah. Um, I, I think we started to realize more and more that sometimes it just helps to say, I don't know. I'm confused right. as well. Or um, so. So if you ask, do you think a change is going on? I would say I hope so. Yeah. I, in the sense that, I mean, what I definitely love in in conversations mm -hmm. is if there's room for not knowing. Yeah. But that says a lot about me as well. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm definitely somebody who doesn't like the, the, the tough statements and this is how the world works. See, and this is why I'm interviewing you now, uh, because this is the stuff our listeners want to know about you, of course, right. you know. <laughs> and I'm, uh, somebody characterized me once um, a long time ago as somebody who loves nuance. And right. I'm very proud of it, I think. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. It's part of your identity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, th and that, that nuance, I think, in a conversation is quite important. I mean, uh, for sure, we should make statements and bold statements. And there's things in companies or in organizations that need to be said. And, and please, brief and direct, etc. But that doesn't mean that there shouldn't be room for also not knowing something yeah. or, or being very strong on an opinion and then say, who thinks differently? Right. Tell me. So I, I actually still see the researcher in you there. You oh, yeah? still see the <laughs> academic in that, I think, because of course academics have this thing, I think, where yeah. they, you know, their job is not knowing stuff and investigating stuff. Yeah, so absolutely. perhaps that's still more in your core than you actually realize yourself. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Richard Feynman is an idol of mine. He's a physicist who died many a long time ago, 1986, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but a role model, definitely right. somebody who was so curious about the world. And and what what he loved most about science is not the things he knew. He said, that's boring. But the things he didn't know. All the things I know are boring. We right. know them. But it's so fascinating to dive into what we don't know. That's great. And, and yeah. yeah. I, I certainly won't say I'm a scientist anymore. Not no, by any means. No, but there's some kind of... I, I can yeah. detect still there's a very kind of natural curiosity or natural kind of... Indeed, I, I really think the nuance is, right. is something yeah. that you that is probably uh, your core business then, or was yeah. your core business then, and is still a part of your personality indeed. Yeah. Now, the, the other thing, because we were talking about uh, which podcasts or which episodes stood out, um, my second part of that question was, and I kind of gave you two questions, um, do you see kind of a, a general message or a, a general thread throughout the entire series? I think so, but 
maybe I brought that in also myself by the you way think? I asked questions. Well, Tell me. Th- th- what certainly, do you think? Uh, I mean, y- you you shared it before as well. The topic mm. of listening has yeah. come up a lot. Yeah. And maybe I've emphasized that more. Um, but I found it also very, very interesting. Mm. But it, it's certainly something that came up more. Is that a common theme? Yeah, I think so. Mm. I, I think even the, the podcast guests who were more on the sending side, like like Joe McCormack mm. was on brief, and, and um, still they all emphasize the, the enormous importance of tuning into the other person and uh, listening, connecting. reflecting, yeah. connecting, all these, yeah. 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 So did you also notice because so I I listened to all of them uh, as well again and and I I was very surprised that at some point I started noticing that indeed like you said yourself um even though they focus a lot on or some of the guests were focused a lot on on the sending part and on speaking rather than the listening part they all had some kind of main message of awareness of um a body and mind connection yeah. of sort of there was even references to mindfulness there was yeah. references to yoga there was le- references to breathing and centering centering postponing your own judgment um and it all um for me that all connects to some kind of yoga philosophy almost mm. or even eastern philosophies did you see that as well? I mean, you didn't select the guests on that, and that's no, so interesting not. that it all yeah. came out like that. You know, yeah, or not all, right. but it was it was definitely a recurring theme. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, d- absolutely. I, I for sure didn't select them mm. on it. it. It's a theme that came up sometimes, really unsurprised uh, to a big surprise. Mm-hmm. I mean, Celeste Headley, who who we had recently in the podcast, is is a famous American journalist, TV host. Um, I didn't read her latest book. And when she started talking about it and and this whole change that she's making Mm. to switching off all these electronic equipment around you, tuning it. I mean, sitting with a beer on the the fence and And just talking to your neighbors. Spend half an hour, talk to them. Um, I didn't expect that. And that was with more guests. Yeah, I think think we see it in whole society, right? Yeah. that was actually my next question, yeah. and it relates a bit to what we spoke about before. You know, the um, the change maybe in communication, even in business communication, where you can say more "I don't know" or uh, "What are your thoughts about it?" Where you can maybe show your emotions more. Even yeah, it seems to, and I I hope like I'm I'm with you there, where I don't know for sure if this is how it's happening, but it's kind of a hope or something that yeah, I have, yeah, where I hope too. that we can be more vulnerable, where we can be more uh, ourselves or something in some kind of way, and indeed more mild on ourselves yeah. and others. You know, that seems to be, and I like I was, it, it got me optimistic anyway. Here in that episode after episode, even if it was like very briefly every speaker touched upon it you know yeah that's true and it 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 makes me think of um work i love to do you you know i'm, I'm in my daily work a lot working with teams and mm. in front of groups etc what i love most usually is these is, is the millennials the new generation really? coming in i sound like an old man now <laughs> um i love working with them yeah it's Why? really great and it's well, I say that's very surprised. I'm not surprised. I'm just, uh, it's, it's something I didn't know. Yeah, so no, I, I, think, I think part of that hope that you're referring oh, okay. to is there. Right. I see a generation where, and, and 
let's not generalize. No, uh, no, no. It's good not to stereotype. But still, I see more openness for people to to reflect, um, to doubt their own certain statements, to, to be confident at the same moment, willing to reflect on mm. how sure am I. There's this almost this passion for experimenting with your life, for mindfulness exercises, for mm. what have you. Um, I think that it's generation is more open for it. It's a very positive message, isn't it? Because I think... It is for become, me, yeah. yeah, it yeah. Is, uh, and when we become older, we're kind of inclined to talk about, oh, you know, these youngsters these days. And it's, yeah. it's not always very positive, I think. So, um, yeah, I, I like this, I think, this kind of positive attitude. Towards, I'm very positive yeah. about that, yeah. And it's, I, I, I won't say I only like to work with 20-year-old. No, I mean, the variety yeah. is, is great. Yeah, yeah. And, and varied exactly. teams are, are the, exactly. the most fantastic thing. Yeah. But no, it's, I'm quite positive on that, yeah. Good, very yeah. good. I'm, I have a question that I wanted to ask you for a long time already, which touches upon the core of why I think you started with this podcast. And that is that um, you um, you started the podcast, I think, with the idea, and that's how you introduce your podcast or every episode, with the idea that communication um, is a means to create more effective uh, business practices, to enhance collaboration, uh, to become more clear and concise, and to avoid miscommunication. Now, what I have noticed myself, and that is also because I have done some research in, in that area, of course, myself, is that um, it seems almost that communication gets this um, role of being a virtue or a moral mm. value. So I, for example, I cited um, uh, someone called Cameron, and he said uh, communication is the cause of all problems and the cure of all ills. Mm. Yeah. And I'm sometimes I'm wondering, and of course that's of course that's the reason why you did the podcast. But still, do we not put an awful lot of responsibility on the shoulders of communication for failing for success? Yeah, yeah, yes and no. Mm -hmm. I, I yes, but that's also good. I think it okay. is it is very important. A lot of problems can be solved through communication rather than. Um, silencing yourself about it but 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 what i pick up on, on in your question is that you say it's almost a moral value yeah. you have to be a good communicator yeah, exactly and and, and we spoke about that before and 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 i know i'm interrupting you now but the introverts are so different and and how do they feel then you know yeah, do they feel yeah. all right i'm not the one speaking up i'm not the one who's being proactive and very good at meta communication, for instance. Mm. So then, does that make someone a worse employee? Does it make someone a worse person, even? You know? Yeah. It's a, well. I probably can say something about it because I'm off-scale introvert. Really? On, on, on absolutely. You're um, not. Yeah, I am definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm. I think I'm a very good example. Somebody has learned learned to do the other thing. Okay. But my preference is far on the introvert side. And really? I recognize it in everything I do. Yeah, That's so interesting. Yeah, and uh, it's strange for a podcast host. Right? It is, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and uh, give, give me some examples. So introvert, as in what way? What What's your preference? What would, What's like what's your favorite thing to do as an introvert? I'm, I, I stick with one subject that okay. I dive into rather right. than 10 subjects that I all then know a little okay. bit about. 
Um, I love to read a book from cover to cover and not just jump in, take out pieces and talk about it. I'm, I'm, I can spend time with a book very quietly. So you want to have time on my own. to, yeah, have to form your opinion, yeah. get the nuances uh, set out for yourself Absolutely. before you start talking. Think about it. Yeah, right. think before you talk. I like a lot. Um, I, I'm exhausted after a day working with a team. Yeah. Although I love it, uh-huh. I really love it. But um, yeah, it, it, my preference is more for quietness. Doesn't mean I can't do the other thing. I can mm-hmm. do it very well. But I'm I'm definitely introvert. And and I think on what you say, it's it's not true that introverts like to communicate less. Okay. Um, but they like to communicate in a very different way, and that that's where the differences are. Mm-hmm. I think. What an introvert loves to do, if uh, let me not generalize, what I love to do is have a conversation with one person in mm-hmm. depth and talk a lot. Right. But then still, I'm focused on that single one person and we go in depth. Yeah, and yeah. I get more nervous when I'm at a party and everybody's chit chatting a bit. Okay. I yeah. feel very quickly there that I'm 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 You're not, not counting. No. I'm under snowed. I I don't feel comfortable there. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I understand, I think. So it's different, but it's definitely true that society in general yeah. is more extrovert-oriented. And the opinions that, that well, introverts have defi- definitely also opinions about extroverts. We find yeah, them yeah. loud and noisy <laughs> and everything. Yeah, yeah. But the other way around works as well. And, and it's... And yeah, I've struggled with that, really. When I was in, in my career in Philips, um, I still remember the, the, the worst possible feedback I could ever get. Mm-hmm. And I still remember up till today how mad I was about it. Mm-hmm. When my boss at that time, Paul, said, Frank, your, your biggest problem is you're not visible enough. <gasps> and it yeah. really set me off. And, and I know what he meant with it, et cetera, yeah, yeah. et cetera. But it created the norm. And the norm was, if you don't shout yeah. here, you're not heard. Yeah. And that hurt me. Which is, I think, for listeners, probably very recognizable or relatable to in in offices, I think, at the moment. We have big office spaces, and, and I'm, I may be generalizing too much, but generally, the one sitting quietly behind the computer yeah. is not, um, first of all, not as visible, but is not as appreciated as someone who lets themselves be known to mm, be there and, and heard. Yeah. Would you have any, um, without that being justified, of course, but would you have any advice you could give to someone who recognizes themselves in your, the picture you paint about yourself, but about, let's say, introverts? No, it's a great question because what I definitely don't want to say is we poor introverts. No, or, no, no, no. You know, we're not in a victim no, role. No, I don't not think at you're doing that. So I'm I think if I look back on, the, on the, even the feedback I got mm-hmm. from Paul at that time, I've learned a lot from it. And the the person who needed to do something about it was me, I think. Yeah. Although I would love to get in conversation with him now again and maybe point out to him that the listening skills for him would be an interesting yeah. one. I mean, <laughs> let's say often maybe introverts... Maybe listening to this. You yeah, never know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Introverts <laughs> often don't get heard. Yeah. And they have a responsibility to make themselves heard. Yeah. But others have a responsibility to tune in and to listen. Yeah. And, and, uh, because it is, of course, we do, whether we like it or not, we create knowledge and interaction with each other, of course. So yeah, at exactly. some point, you'll have to do find a way for yourself to, to kind of do it. Indeed. Exactly, uh, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And I think the bottom line is, yeah, every now and then you need to get out of your comfort zone mm. to, to get hurt or to do something new. And that's for introverts, every now and then going out of your comfort zone mm. and still speak up, although you found the other ones too noisy. Mm. I mean, sometimes you have to claim your space to speak up. Yeah, and, and you can do it. Definitely. And maybe uh, while I'm listening to you now, I'm I'm actually thinking maybe the the whole distinction we have between introverts and extroverts isn't a good one. Maybe it's the situation that makes you at that point more yeah. introvert. Like like exactly. what you said, you know, at a party. Like I consider myself extremely extrovert, but I I my toes curl up in my shoe when you describe the party to me yeah. because I hate that. Mm. You know, I I really yeah. I'd like to disappear then, and I'm kind of I can do it, but I'm exhausted afterwards. Yeah. And you know, I I prefer those in-depth conversations as well. I would never classify myself as an introvert, though. No, and but that's so the danger. Yeah. The, the situation, rather than think you know introverts, extroverts, but. In general, I, I mean, somehow the circles around now that you say that because we talked before about nuance, and I'm thinking yes. while you say this, <laughs> we should stop talking about introvert, extrovert. These are the extremes, yeah, and yeah. we polarize with that. We, we we say you're either one or the other. Yeah, no, you're mean, either Indian or you're American. You yeah, know, so no, that's exactly what it is. Exactly. It's all, yeah, 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 exactly. Hey, Frank, just there's one more question I want to ask you because um, you have asked every guest you have asked the same question oh, yeah. at the end of your podcast and now i have the same question for you three tips to bring more clarity into your conversations I and i know going. for someone who's all into nuance this is a hard question <sighs> but every guest gets the question from you what are your three tips that you could give to people to listeners to people in the in the knowledge area to people in the work fields so <laughs> Ah, hard one. I think I would have many or... um, Tip one. Be short and brief. Be concise um, so that you're heard. That's a very important one. I mean, we all tend to talk too much and and talking is fine, but be able to to get to the point quickly. Um, That's definitely a way to catch attention even for intro. Tip two. there has to be one on listening skills, uh, like like I said before, that that had a lot of impact on me. Um, and and I would say it's learn to be curious. Um, curiosity is not something you have or you don't have, but you can learn it or you can you can do it more at mm. least. Um, I've, I've, great exercise I usually find to is, is to challenge people to take an article in a newspaper that you find the most uninteresting topic in the whole thing. For some people, that's art. For some people, take that article, dive into it. Oh, that's a in great depth. exercise. It's a great exercise. Yeah. As, as quite often, you notice that if you if you focus on it and you really get into it, yeah. it becomes bloody interesting. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's tip number two. With one more. Always stick to two tips. Ah! Out. <laughs> no, you're not getting away with that. You're not getting away with that. Tip three. Well, t- take the room for nuance. Um, yeah. Definitely. So in, in a good conversation for me, uh, there there is a balance between being clear on what you want to say and between listening to others. Um, I think as important is that moment of uncertainty, mm. the moment where you simply indicate, well, I just said that, but I'm not so sure about that. What do you think? Or, yeah. I mean, there has to be a room for what we don't know. 
Yeah. Uh, that makes conversations interesting. That's yeah. where you explore together. That's where new ideas come up. Innovation in companies, a big theme at the moment, yeah. is only coming up if people can be curious. Yeah. The whole diversity problem in companies, diversity inclusion, has a root in the fact that we're often not curious and mm. we, we, we demand the minority to to conform to the majority. And we want answers rather than questions. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, so that would be number yeah. three. Yeah, be short and concise, be curious to listen and leave room for nuance. Perfect, perfect. Thank you very much, Frank. It was lovely to talk to you. Thank you. And so far the interview with myself this week. Els de Meijer interviewed me as the last episode for this podcast and it was a pleasure to talk to Els about the things that occupy my mind usually and the way I've approached producing this this great podcast. So as I said, this was season one of Clarity in Conversations, 11 episodes and two extra ones, so 13 in total. I've really enjoyed making it. Um, be sure to reach out if you have any ideas for the continuation in season two. Any ideas in terms of content, contribution, sponsoring, um, any great ideas really for the format of this podcast going forward after the summer holiday are largely appreciated. Be sure to reach out at info at frankgarten.nl. That is info at frankgarten.nl. That's Clarity in Conversations episode one. See you soon. Thanks for listening to Clarity in Conversations, a podcast by Frank Garten.